Well, we are doing two more parables, one today and one next week. And the parable today comes from Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather and deal to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to the buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Here ends the reading of God's word. Jesus speaks a lot in parables, and he's trying to get people to understand what he calls the kingdom of God, or, or in Luke, more the language is the kingdom of, the, of heaven. God is announcing a rule in this world. He's going to be king. He's going to be Lord. But, but there's a couple of challenges with that. Number one, the, that rule is not going to look like what these people expect it's going to look like. It's not going to be a rule. A rule. It's not going to be a kingdom based on what they think it should be. And number two, it's not going to happen exactly the way they think it's going to happen. Especially, you think about Matthew's audience reading this later. They may have expected Jesus to come right away. Even as he's about ready to ascend, one of the people with him says, Are you now going to bring in your kingdom? They still are looking for this kingdom that's going to come right now and it's going to be really earthly. And Jesus uses all these parables to try to get them ready to say, That's not how it's going to be. My kingdom is not going to look that way. And so we have here, we're getting towards the end of Matthew, right? Matthew 25, a little later in the book. Jesus is really trying to get them prepared. He uses a metaphor that's common in the Bible. The idea of God's people being like a bride. In the Old Testament, it talks about God bringing Israel out into the wilderness to woo them. I mean, there's definitely this understanding that, that it's like a bride, like a lady that God is, is wooing. In the New Testament, the, the, the church is talked specifically about as God's bride, as the bride of Christ. And so we see in this parable this image of a wedding. Now, commentators and Bible scholars have been driven a little bit crazy by this parable. It's not that complicated of a parable. But trying to figure out exactly what the problem is and trying to figure out exactly what the customs are that are going on here is really difficult because at that time, wedding customs were very different. In fact, if you've ever gone to a wedding in another part of our country, you find that's still true, right? Weddings and wedding ceremonies and receptions and all of that, they, they happen a little bit different. You get local customs. And, and we're not sure exactly what the custom is here. 
One thought might be that the, the bride and the groom, the, the bride's not mentioned, so we, in this whole thing we don't know where the bride is. Could be that the bride and the groom had dinner at the home of the bride's family, and then they picked up these virgins. Those virgins would have been the bridal party. Virgin was just a word that meant young woman, because the assumption was if you were young and you were not married, you were still a virgin. It's not the assumption we always make today, but in those days, that was definitely the assumption. So you would get married at maybe 12, 13 years old if you were a girl, maybe 16 to 18 if you were a guy. Uh, and so these, these women would get to be in several parties, several bridal parties for their friends, then eventually it would be their turn, and it would come really pretty quickly, right? So it's this great honor that these, these bridesmaids get to be there, and maybe they're waiting for the bride and the groom who are at the bride's family to come and get them to go to the big family celebration. Or it could be that the bride is actually with them. And maybe the groom is just on his way to pick up the bride and the bridal party and then go to the, uh, the party, the marriage feast. We're not totally sure, um, but it, it's not really that important to the story. We, we've got ten, ten bridesmaids, ten virgins that are waiting there for the groom to come. And they've got lamps. If you see on the pictures, you can see what a lamp uh, might have looked like in those days. Some were much more fancy than the others. But normally you would have oil in it, and then you have a wick coming out of one side that uh, you then have to trim up the wick every once in a while as it would burn. I actually attempted to make one of these to bring with me today, and I am worthless with clay. That's what I learned from that experiment. But... Uh, I did get some pictures, uh, so you can kind of see. This word could also be translated torch, so that would have been more of a, a larger structure um, that would be would kind of have the oil up on top of a stick that could be set somewhere or placed. So it could also mean torch, but generally we translate it as lamp. So these these ten women are waiting for the groom to come. We're not sure of the custom, but uh, five of them are considered foolish and five wise. The word in the Greek for foolish, by the way, is the word moros. It's the same word we get the word moron. That's right. So we've got five wise women and we have five morons in the text. That's actually the word that's used here. So imagine the story. The bride's room is coming to pick them up to head into town so that they can have this banquet. And so the ladies are ready. They got their hair done right. They tried on the dresses at David's bridal. They've got their makeup all ready to go. But the groom is late. These ladies must have been excited. The time has come. It's ready to go. But the groom is delayed for some reason. And so they wait. And they wait. Maybe at somebody's house. It doesn't really say where they are. Although there's a reference to come outside. So maybe they're just hanging out at somebody's house. Maybe the bride's house. They wait and fall asleep. Eventually, they're all sleeping. And then a cry comes out. Here comes the groom. So they jump up, and it's mass chaos. As they get ready, they recheck their hair, check to make sure their dresses are okay. They've got to work with these lamps that have been burning. They've got to trim the wick up a little bit, make sure that they're ready. But it's very late. It's very late. Midnight. They've been waiting for a long time, and five of these ladies look down and realize, I am running out of oil. My lamp is not really lit. I can't keep it lit. There's not enough oil in the lamp to keep it going. 
So they say to the, to the wise bridesmaids, they say, give me some of the oil. Share some of your oil. And the bridesmaids say, no. They, just because somebody was yelling that his hair doesn't mean he's quite ready to go yet. We don't want to run out of oil. Would it have been offensive to, to not have oil? We're not quite sure again what the custom would be. Maybe, uh, maybe if you didn't have oil and you weren't ready, then it would be offensive. Like you, you didn't really take the responsibility and the honor of being a bridesmaid Seriously. Maybe when the ladies got there, they sort of marched in with their lamps. That's one of the customs that might have been, right? We still do something like that today where we have bridesmaids come marching down. Maybe they needed their lamp for that. So they try to go to the oil dealers to get more. Interesting that they can do that at midnight, right? This has baffled scholars for a long time, but there's been some studies now that say that cultures that don't have electricity, they don't have lights to maintain, very often they go to bed very early and then they get up and have a few productive hours in the middle of the night. But for most of history, this is probably how it works. So they would go to bed as the sun was going down. Then they would get up around midnight and do some work, do some business, and then go back to bed for a few more hours. And now that we have lights, we can sort of regulate and, and do that differently. But throughout most of history, probably at midnight, You'd find dealers. You could go try to buy oil. But in the meantime, the groom comes and the morons are left behind. Those who are ready go in. Those who don't, those who are not ready and are not there don't get to go to the party. So they go running. They try to catch up to the party and they knock on the door. They say, Lord, Lord, let, let us in. We're ready. We're here. And he says, I truly I say to you, I do not know you. Now, Jesus partially explains this parable to us in two really clear ways. First of all, he adds a sentence at the end, right? Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, so part of what we understand is that we may be surprised when God actually comes back. That there's a kingdom that's going to come, and we don't know when it's going to happen, so we should be ready. Are we ready? What if it was this afternoon? What if it was right now? What if right now it happened? How many of us say, ah, we're ready? Or how many of us live as if it's, it's not coming? It's gone, it's not. But, but what if it was today? Well, what if it was Thursday at 3 o'clock? You're going to get ready by Thursday at 3 o'clock? We don't live with that kind of expectation. It's really hard to live like that. But, but another thing Jesus explains without really explaining it, is he directly is quoting another verse, right? Did you notice the knock on the door? Lord, Lord. And then he says, I never knew you. Well, in Matthew 7, it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, listen to Jesus in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? You catch the Lord, Lord? The same word. Do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I mean, Jesus is very clearly referring to this passage, right? That some people are going to say, Lord, Lord, but they're not going to be let in. They're going to say, I never knew you. And imagine the shock of not being allowed on that day. So we know that this parable is, is wrapped up in these marriage ceremonies. We know it's about being ready for the kingdom. We know it's about not being excluded when it finally comes, even though it might surprise us. 
But there's a part of the parable that, that is a little bit of a struggle. And that is this. What makes the foolish bridesmaids foolish? What makes them foolish? Why are they not ready? They got dressed up, didn't they? They brought their lamps. They're there. All the bridesmaids fall asleep. I mean, what, why are they foolish? Are they foolish just because they didn't bring extra oil? Well, then if the, bri- if the bridegroom had been on time, they would have been fine, right? What makes, what makes these women foolish? Some have suggested that maybe the point of the parable is really about those other bridesmaids that have oil and refuse to share. That maybe if they had just shared, everybody would have been fine. But, but I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think that the parable lends itself to that, especially when they're called foolish. No, I think there's two ways in which those women are not ready, in which those bridesmaids are not ready. And I think there are two, those same two mistakes that they make are mistakes that we often make too. Problem number one for those women is that they go to get more, more oil, right? They leave. They leave to go find a dealer, and so when the groom comes, they're not there, they're not ready. Now, maybe they would have been thrown out if they hadn't had oil. We don't know the customs. But what might have happened in the story if they had just waited? Just sat in the dark and confessed to the groom, we did not bring enough oil for you to get here at midnight. How often do we do that with God? Where we avoid God trying to get ourselves cleaned up, trying to fix problems on our own before we give them to God, rather than just confessing that we are mistaken and getting God's help with them. Let me give you an analogy for this. How many of you, before you go to have company over, have crisis cleaning at your house? They might do this, okay? We've got people coming. And then all of a sudden, you start moving couches and finding stuff you've been looking for, a long, for, for a long time. You go in. Some of you have no concept of this, and you're just freakily clean, and you're, you're not a rimmer. That's just how it is, right? Um, you have people. People are coming over. You've got, you've got to do mass chaos. In fact, we intentionally invite people over to force us to clean sometimes, right? Anybody else do that? How many of you have ever changed plans for people to not come over? You ever do this? Yeah, you, we were going to have you over, but maybe we should go to a restaurant. I, I want to try this new restaurant. Or you change plans and let's schedule it for another day. Imagine that. Missing out on relationship because you want to get cleaned up first. Missing out on, on a relationship because you want to get things in order. Right? The best friends that you have are the friends you don't have to clean up for. You know what I'm talking about? The friends that can just come over and they'll start picking up or they'll ignore it and won't say anything to you. They're the friends that can get in the fridge and move something that's gross to get a drink and it doesn't bother you or them. Right? Why do we want to clean up our lives before we go to God? Why do we think, oh, I don't want to be in a relationship with God. I don't want to get too close to God because I still got to fix this thing over here. I still got to get cleaned up about this thing over there. And we miss out. We miss out. 
And God is the one that ultimately can help us to clean up stuff in our lives. If that's you, if you're holding back on your relationship with God because you think someday you got to clean this up, you want to get things together before you go to God, I'm telling you that day is never coming. And you're going to be really surprised at the end of your life. Or if on Thursday at 3 o'clock the Lord comes back and you have missed out on relationship because you thought you had to clean yourself up before you go to God, when in fact the whole purpose of grace is you don't have to clean yourself up at all. He loves you right where you are. And if those bridesmaids had just stayed there and confessed their mistake, I wonder if they'd have been in. I wonder if they had chose relationship over their own pride of trying to clean themselves up and pick themselves up by their own brow. I wonder if they might have been invited in. So mistake one, I think, they tried to go get oil instead of just admitting their mistake in the first place. Problem number two. Most people look at this parable and say, rightfully so, that they're, they're not ready. They're not ready for the bridegroom to come. But, but I don't think that's totally true, right? That we already said they kind of were ready. What they weren't ready for was for the groom not to come. They weren't ready for him to be late. They were ready for the groom to come. They were not ready for the groom not to come. Doesn't this happen in our lives too? I'm ready for God to answer my prayer. What I'm not ready is for silence for six months. That is not what I'm ready for. I'm ready for God to bring healing. I'm not ready to continue wrestling with the illness. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm ready for God to be here, maybe. But, but I'm not ready for him to not. What happens when we have to wait for God? And man, I bet you Matthew's readers, this was really a sticky thing, right? Because maybe they still think Jesus is coming back soon. They think he already should have come back. And they read this parable and they might think, oh man, it could be a while. But we take that for granted 2,000 years later. We kind of know, oh, it might be any time, but, but it's going to be later. They might not have known that. And Jesus calls for us to live in a state of preparedness, of expectation and of waiting. Not just to be bored waiting. But waiting expectantly, like waiting for a child to be born, like there's excitement coming, like there's something at the end of this road. But it's hard when God doesn't answer us quickly, when we're forced to wait. How many times do the Psalms say, do not delay, Lord? Where are you, Lord? How many times did David write those words while he knew he was going to be king? He's already anointed king. And yet Saul's there, he's still king, and Saul's trying to kill him. He's on the run for years. Maybe that's part of life. Maybe that really is part of God's kingdom. That it doesn't happen in our time that we end up having to wait. In fact, there's a whole bunch of Bible stories where there's a lot of waiting involved, isn't there? In life, sometimes we have to wait. But in God's kingdom, that's how it is. And to be wise is to say, God, I don't know when you're going to answer, but I'm going to keep waiting and I'm going to keep faithfully waiting. Not just ready for Jesus to come and answer our prayer. Not just ready for Jesus to come back, but ready to say, I'm in this for the long haul. I think those bridesmaids, they're ready for the groom to come. They're not ready to have to wait And the unfortunate thing about life and the unfortunate thing about how God's kingdom works is sometimes we got to wait. Can we wait 
with faith. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this parable. Challenging though it may be, not only challenging to understand, but really challenging to live. Because we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. And we don't like to wait to fix ourselves. We want to get cleaned up. We want to have a good impression of us. So Lord, give us patience. Give us patience. Give us the humility to admit that we're wrong. And give us some expectation, Lord, that maybe today you're coming. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.